Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. remain standing with me for a moment and I'm going to ask you today I I know there may be some redundancy in this request because I feel that you pray for me always but I pray that God would ask that that we could collectively ask the Lord to just have his way in this service and I know that underlining everything we do in every service we have that is obviously what we want but I believe God wants to do something in this place today. I have been, I have been stirred in my heart and my soul, amen, deeply, deeply for today's service. And so I'm just going to ask us to, as we enter this service, I'm just going to ask you to connect with me now. Don't just wait a few blocks and then jump on board, but connect with me and the Lord now. Amen. And let's let God do something very special and significant. In this place today. I also want to tell you this. That there is a good opportunity. Or good chance. Perhaps. That what I'm going to teach about. Today may cross a few theological swords. That is not my intention. I've not come here to be confrontational. I'm just going to preach my heart to you. Amen. So before you reach down and pick up a sword to defend. I just want. Let's just hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Agree or disagree, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. Amen. But I just pray that God will do something in our midst today. Amen. The book of James is my text this morning, James 5 and 14. And I know with such a preface that kind of may set a few people on edge. I'm not intending to do that. But I just want God to have his way. And I I just begged God this morning, long before day. Just move me out of the way. Move me out of the way and speak in this house today. Amen. The Bible says in James 5 and 14, we've been in a series for quite some time now that I've entitled Foundations. We've been talking about fundamental doctrine of the apostolic church at large, just what we believe, what we stand on. This is what the church is built on. And so underneath the steeple and behind all the programs and ministries, this is what makes an apostolic church an apostolic church. And so Sunday after Sunday, we've been talking about several things. Today, my subject is on divine healing. And uh, if I, I will probably say this again before we're done, but I'm quite confident that no one here or anywhere would ever be bold enough to claim that you understand every little intricate detail about divine healing. I can tell you that I certainly do not. Amen. I I know what I know, and I know what I have experienced. But I can tell you that beside every experience, I have questions as well. Amen. 
James 5 and 14. Is there any, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Amen. May the Lord bless you. you. You can be seated and I want you to make this journey with me all the way to the end. I try to be intentional in every, in every message that I preach to have a goal. We're going somewhere. Amen. I want to point out a few things along the way, highlight a little bit of the scenery, if I may, if the Lord will help me to do that every time. You're riding along the interstate on vacation or whatever the case may be. You're riding along. You don't have to be on the interstate, but every now and then you come to signs that say scenic overlook. And so you can just, you're just free to pull off there and just take in the beauty. And so along the journey of every message, I try to insert some scenic overlooks so that we can keep the journey interesting, but we're, we have a destination this morning. And so I need desperately for you to listen to me now and to be listening just that intently at the end because we're going somewhere, amen? And I'm not threatening to go somewhere. We're going somewhere, amen? So let's just, let's make the journey together. Praise the Lord. The ministry of Jesus is obviously characterized by healing the sick, casting out evil spirits, demons, if you please, and work in various miracles. And the New Testament is, is completely dotted with many of those. John, in the 20th chapter in verse number 30, John said, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And so we understand that in addition to this impressive list of miraculous undertakings that everything that was done was not recorded. And uh, I'm, I'm not even confident that what was recorded was just the high points to bedazzle men because God is God and he's not into sensationalism. I think that he thought no more of reaching down and putting on Malka's ear than he did raising uh, the dead. Amen. I, I think he thought no more of doing those things than he did bringing peace and speaking comfort into the lives and the hearts of people. And so I don't think that, that the scripture is just full of just a few high points and then we'll leave all the low points for later. But I believe some things that are just as impressive as what we know are unrecorded. In addition to, in addition to Jesus performing a lot of miracles in his ministry, we know according to Matthew 1 that he gave his 12 disciples power. The scripture says to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Even in another instance beyond Jesus and these 12, we find in Luke 10, we find that Jesus gave even additional power, not more power, as in greater power, but he extended that power, multiplied that power, into 70 more disciples. This was all while he was on the earth and in his ministry. After his resurrection, Jesus extended that ability to heal and to perform miracles, not just to himself, not just to 12, not just to 70, 
But after Jesus resurrected, he extended that ability to operate in this gift to all who believe. Amen. So I believe that you can lay your hands on the sick. Hey, praise God. I'm not taken away from what James said about the elders of the church, but I believe that with the power of the Holy Ghost abiding in us, we have the power. Paul declared that everywhere he went, his ministry was accompanied by signs, wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God. All of this serves to underscore the fact that healing accompanies the proclamation of the gospel. That when you declare the truths of God's word, something miraculous can and should follow the declaration of the word. Amen. Last Sunday, just last Sunday, I taught on the subject of holiness. And at the end of the service, the spirit of God began to move. And Brother Osborne stepped into the flow of what God was saying. And he, he in essence, was saying God is wanting to do something as an end result or demonstration of the preached word of God. Amen, the preached word of God. And so Peter, quoting from the great prophecy of Isaiah 53 in 1 Peter 2.24, the Bible says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on, a, on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And so whether directly or indirectly, we can assess that sickness and disease are in the world as a consequence of sin. Amen. The sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and because of sin in general. And if I may just briefly talk about this as we go because I need a few foundational stones to stand on. Genesis 2 and 16, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And so biblically speaking, when we hear the word death, it always refers to some type of separation when God warned Adam that he would die if he ate of the tree of good and evil. The reference here was, of course, spiritual death, which occurs when someone is separated or has separation between themselves and God. In the case of Adam and Eve, the result of this death is seen in their sense of shame, their sense of fear, and their sense of alienation from God. We find that declared, highlighted for us in the third chapter of Genesis. Sin, sin itself brought about sickness. Had Adam and Eve been obedient to God and refraining from eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it appears, amen, that they would have been, it would have been possible for them to live forever in a state of health. The fact that physical healing is connected with God's redemptive work is, it should be significant because it indicates that sickness and disease were not originally inherent in the human condition. Rather, they were a result of sin, and they, but it can be dealt with. It can be dealt with by redemption. Sin brought death. <clears throat> sin brought death, again, indirectly. Sin brought about physical death in that it prevented Adam and Eve from being able to continue to eat from the tree of life because they were cast out of the garden. This allowed for their eventual physical death. 
So since God knows all things, since he knows all things, the beginning from the end, he knew before he created mankind that Adam and Eve would sin against him. Therefore, God made provision for them in redemption. Amen. God could not overlook sin. He could not overlook sin in Genesis, and he cannot overlook sin in the 21st century. Amen. He will never overlook sin. It has to be dealt with. The consequences of sin must be dealt with. The death of Jesus on the cross satisfied the righteous judgment of God against sin in general. Even now, God gives us a foretaste of that ultimate redemption when he grants to us in this very hour physical healing. I am preaching to people today that have had a physical healing in your body. Amen. Physical healing. I understand that I'm also preaching to people that have, got, have had the Lord heal their emotional scars. Amen. That's real. Amen. God has healed their broken heart. God has healed their wounded spirit. Amen. You're here today. You're here today. And because God has, because of the, the, the righteousness of God has been able to heal us just by show of hands. And I don't want to get off on just physical healing, but just by way of show of hands today. Amen. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever physically been healed of anything, great or small, just physically healed. Amen. Undeniably, God touched you. Amen. I, I can tell you, so we're, if you had the vantage, my vantage point today, you can tell that you're in good company because many people in this building, a vast majority, if not most everyone here has had some type of physical healing in their body where God instantly moved in their life. I've, I don't want to get to meander too much here, but I have been in the house of God when someone laid hands on me and right then, right there, God broke a fever or God, whatever was going on in my life, healed me instantly. I would also testify and tell you that I have been home in the bed, sick in the bed, amen, with fever and whatnot. And, and while the church was praying, because I know about what time the church is praying on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever the case may have been, I felt the Spirit of God move in my room. The curtains didn't blow and the thunder didn't sound, but I just felt the warm presence of God heal my body and strengthen me right then and right there. I'm testifying today because I have the microphone. But you could say the very same thing where God just miraculously intervened. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross satisfied the righteous judgment of God against sin. Even now, God gives us that foretaste, and aren't we glad of that? One of the greatest Old Testament prophecies concerning the redemptive work of the Lord appears in Isaiah 52. It describes in specific detail how the Lord's substitutionary work was accomplished. If we move into Isaiah 53, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. On several occasions in the New Testament, the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 is in clear view. It's important to understand atonement. It's important to understand atonement, especially in the context of the Old Testament sacrificial system. 
the word atonement simply means to cover. Amen. And so I need to spend just a few moments right here this morning to underline some things that will be significant for us today and in the future of our lives. In the Old Testament era, a sacrifice was offered as a substitute for a sinner. This atonement provided simply a covering for his sin by interjecting, if you please, a sacrifice between that sin and God. And I don't want to get too lost in all of the law here, but an animal sacrifice was brought. The priest would lay his hands on the head of that animal sacrifice and pronounce the sins of that person upon that animal, and that animal would stand, but as a that animal sacrifice would stand between, if you please, man, his sin and failure, and the righteousness of God. Amen. The one for whom the atonement was being made was to present this animal to the priest. Amen. Jesus came to the world to himself provide a substitutionary death that was required by sin. Jesus Christ fulfilled in the New Testament the symbolism of the animals of the Old Testament, the Passover lamb. That is why John the Baptist, when Jesus was walking down the bank of Jordan's river, this is why John, one reason why John said, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just going to confess something here. I've had a very, I've had a very flustered morning. Amen. But I feel something settling down in my heart. Amen. I feel something settling in my spirit today. And I feel God is just calming me down here to speak something into the heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To the heart of this congregation. In Jesus' name. Amen. You ever had one of those mornings when if it could go wrong, it did go wrong? Amen. Well, that showed up on our doorstep this morning. Amen. We're not having problems. We just had a little few issues. Don't, don't read anything into that. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I'm telling you that Christ was wounded. The wounds of Jesus, that wounds that Jesus endured were the wounds that we deserved. Praise God. Oh, I just feel like I need to say that again. Amen. The wounds that Jesus endured were the wounds that we deserved. But he became the Passover lamb. He was completely innocent. And he was completely sinless. But while we were yet in our sin, he became the Passover lamb and died for our sin. Amen. Therefore, he could bear the wounds for others. He was bruised, the scripture said. Amen. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. He bore, he bore in his body our sickness. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just, I want to pace myself for a few moments because I want you to really get this. Christ bore our sickness. It's an interesting passage of scripture or at least an interesting treatment of Scripture in, in, in Isaiah 53 and 4 as to how Matthew parallels this in the New Testament. I want you to look at Isaiah 54, 53 and 4 with me, if you will. The Bible says, Surely he hath borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Surely he hath borne our griefs, keyword griefs, and carried our sorrows, keyword sorrows. When Matthew quotes Isaiah 53 in Matthew 8 and 17, I want you to note something. The Bible says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah the prophet which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now I believe today that the same inspiration for Isaiah was the same inspiration for Matthew. Amen. Holy men wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, one One voice was speaking to these men. And so it is not that Matthew was saying something different. Why did Matthew use the word griefs and sorrows as infirmities and sickness? I will say that that many times the New Testament offers some additional insight to the depth of the meaning of some Old Testament statements and even symbols. The Hebrew word translated griefs in Isaiah 53 and 4 is the implication grief caused by illness or sickness. The Hebrew word translated sorrows is the implication sorrow that has resulted from pain. Amen. The Bible knowledge commentary points out that the literal meaning of the Hebrew word translated griefs by the King James Version is actually translated the word sickness. Now, if we take that, I know I laid a lot on you right there, but if we take that, then that means that Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, 4 and 5 would become one, an inseparable unit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. It would form this inseparable unit. It shows how Jesus Christ would, by his own suffering and death, bear in his body both the spiritual and the physical consequences of sin. And so here's the promise. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thankful that divine healing is a part of the foundation of who we are today. Amen. I'm thankful that my father and my grandfather didn't tell me that was for somebody else. That was for another generation. I'm glad somebody didn't convince me that this is bound up in the Old Testament, but I thank God it was released in my life and in my spirit. Hallelujah. And when I was too young to even know anything about it, my mother and my father was laying hands on my fevered prow and they were pleading the blood. They were pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over fever and sickness and disease and God did indeed touch, move and heal and raise again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I think that when we are talking about healing, I don't want to speak so much about physical healing that we lose sight of the fact that I believe that this also includes a broader sense of healing. I want to tell you today that if you're broken in your body, God can heal that. But I don't want us to stop right there. I'm going to tell you that if you're wounded in your soul, God can heal that. If you're broken in your spirit, God can heal that. If you've been offended to the point that infection has set in bitterness in your heart against somebody, can I tell you that the healer is in this holy house today and he desires, he desires to bring wholeness and completeness in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I just got to feel after the Lord now. Amen. I was preaching many years ago in a camp meeting setting and I was talking about how God could heal our heart and how God could heal our emotions and this may be a little strong for some of you this morning. I've shared it before but it's not something I prance all over the country talking about. But there was a preacher. Amen. There was a preacher that came to me after the service and he said with tears running down his eyes, he said God healed my heart tonight in this service. He said many years ago I was done wrong and he began to describe to me wrong and I mean wrong, wrong, wrong he was done wrong and he said I listened to the devil so much until the devil had convinced me to get a gun and go shoot and kill this man he said but tonight God has healed me of my bitterness I want you to know tonight that no one in this house is protected no one in this house is exempt I meant to say amen from the devil coming into our heart and putting something in our spirit that doesn't need to be there and I'm going to tell you that if you've got a disease in your body he can heal you but if you've got a hurt in your heart he can also heal you (laughs) would you let God heal you today would you let God restore you back in the right relationship with him today would you would you would you would you hallelujah hallelujah Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Amen. He has healing for the brokenhearted. The purpose of this first coming of the Messiah was to bring redemption and deal with the consequences of sin. And one of the consequences of sin is brokenheartedness. Brokenheartedness. I'm not talking about being disappointed that something didn't happen in your life. I'm not talking about your life just being offset for a few days or a few months because a promotion you thought was destined to be yours was given to someone else. I'm not talking about just being a little bit disillusioned with life because something didn't work out in your life like you thought it was going to work out. I'm talking about being broken hearted where your life has been forever jaded and your life has been forever changed because of something that did not come together. Amen. I'm going to tell you I feel heaven standing behind me today amen don't think this is just another service nor another sermon or just another preacher but I believe God is standing with me today and he wants to place some hope in our heart right now 
Hallelujah. When God created man, he intended for us to exist in a state of wholeness, completeness, oneness. But sin fractured that wholeness, leaving mankind broken. Amen. That brokenness extends to the heart. The heart in Hebrew is thought commonly associated with the seat of our emotions. The Bible talks about deliverance for the captive. Sin, sin also terminated mankind's freedom, reduced him to being captive, slave, if you please, to sin. However, the atoning work of Christ broke sin's chain, setting humankind free to serve God. The Bible talks about the recovering of sight. The recovering of sight. I understand we think many times that means literal blindness. It certainly does not exclude that. But another way of describing the consequences of sin is spiritual blindness. Amen. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the, the eyes or the minds, if you please. Amen. Jesus Christ made it possible for man to have a clear vision of God one more time. The scripture talks about he came to set at liberty them that are bruised. One consequence of Israel's sinfulness was that for much of their history, they were oppressed by other nations of the world. Not only did Jesus come to bring liberty from sin, but the atoning work will ultimately result in the absolute removal of that oppression. Amen. The scripture lets us know that the Holy One has given us power over sickness and disease. The promise of Jesus is not just limited to a certain group of believers, but it is to all who believe. Mark 16, 17, and 18, I'm just gonna, just gonna highlight this. It's not on the screen, but the Bible says that these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen, the number of signs are listed here. Amen, but one of them is they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen, I'm talking about signs of the hour in which we are living in today. Amen, signs that Jesus Christ, amen, our Redeemer, the power of signs and wonders. I, I, have, I have spoke many times about the, the divine miracles that have happened in my own life, in my own family, and so I know of what I speak today. Amen, I know of what I speak. I'm thankful for Bible records of the dead being raised to life again. I'm thankful for biblical instances of divine healing and the recovering of sight to the blind and things of that nature. But I'm telling you that in our own family, Sister Boyd and I, in our own family, amen, we know where God has divinely, miraculously, not maybe, might have been, if you twist it, if you spin it, amen, she has a brother, Jackie has a, her baby brother who was born blind, amen, they brought him to the house of God, their pastor laid hands on on, on Tim, amen, and God did a miracle in his life, amen, over the course of the next few days, a milky substance, as I remember the story, began to build up in his eyes, amen, and when, when that, when that, when, whenever that was over, ever how long that lasted, when that was over, he had perfect 2020 vision, amen, for those of you in this house who have met, 
For those of you in this house who have met Jackie's brother, you would agree with me and say that one of the most notable things about him, amen, besides his ability to talk the horns off a brass monkey, would be his eyes. Amen, his eyes. There's something about his eyes. I never can look at, we call him Bubba. I can never look at Bubba and not think about those eyes and think about he came into this world blind. I'm not talking about legally blind. I'm not talking about could you see shadows. He came into this world stone blind and the hand of God moved in his life. Hallelujah. And God healed him. Healed him. Healed him. A few years ago, a few years ago, that pastor that prayed for him, his wife, was in a nursing home in Louisiana. And my wife and I had the privilege to go in one day and see her. And we walked into the room, Sister Dunn. Amen, we walked into that room. Sister Dunn recognized Jackie right off the bat. And she said, you are the young lady that had the brother that was born blind. And God healed him in our church. Yes, 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 yes. That's who we are. Amen, I had an older brother who died in my father's arms after a farming accident and God raised him back to life. Amen, hear me today. Amen, I had a mother who in 1973 died in a hospital room in North Florida Regional Hospital in Gainesville and a nurse stayed as long as she would could to console my father and said, I gotta go notify the doctor and my dad walked to the foot of her bed and prayed a simple prayer of faith and grabbed her by her feet and said, Betty Jean, wake up and she woke up in 1973 and stayed awake until 2001. I'm gonna tell you these signs shall follow them that believe, that believe, that believe. I'm not trying to regurgitate these stories to those who have heard them again and again, but I'm gonna tell you as long as God gives me breath, I'm gonna declare it, but I gotta say it one more time today because maybe somebody here has never heard this, and so I'm gonna say it again and again and again. Amen. The occurrence of signs and wonders has remarkably high profile in the New Testament literature describing the ministry of the church. There was never a suggestion anywhere that these supernatural wonders were ever to cease at any point. Amen. Prior to the coming of the Lord. So wherever the gospel is fully preached, it can and will be confirmed by signs following. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I understand amid all of this praise and amid all of this affirmation, now I'm fixing to get right down where we live. So I've, at least I've, I've warned you. I'm gonna get right down in every life that's here in this house. Amid all of our praise and amid all of our affirmation, there is still unanswered prayer in this house. Amen. Some of you who raised your hand a moment ago and said, yes, God has. He has moved divinely. When you raised your hand, there was a, but, 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 but uh, there's an unanswered prayer. But there's something else here going on that I don't understand. 
And so it would be out of balance today to just preach on divine healing without realizing that, that God does not heal or fix every nuance of life. I'm not sure anyone can fully explain divine healing in its entirety. As I said a moment ago, I certainly cannot. And I'm not so egotistical or proud to say that. There are many things that I just simply do not understand. In the same service, the same healing line, the same prayer line, the same atmosphere, the same songs, the same people praying with me, we have prayed for some that were healed and others who were not. Now we can busy ourselves and try to plunder through their closet, try to find a nail to hang that unanswered prayer on. Amen? Well, we can realize that God is sovereign. And God knows far more than I will ever hope to know. And God understands. Does that mean that my faith is weak or does that mean that I have failed myself? I don't think so. Even though sometimes the devil tries awfully hard to convince me of that. To think like that, to think that Faith can just fix any situation in our life. Now, I'm not going to try to dismantle everything that I've been teaching on, but I've got to get right where we live today because God wants to get right where we live today. Sometimes I think that we have given birth to a very narrow view of how God works. And in doing so, we give birth to frustration in the lives of well-meaning people. People who blame themselves for the death of a loved one or they blame themselves for a negative diagnosis of friends or family. They say things like, if I had only had more faith. If I could have just had more faith. If I could have prayed more, been more sincere. And then people become hostage of the very message that is designed to set us free. I had a very close friend for a season of time whose wife of many years while she lay dying of cancer in a hospice house, her family would walk into her room and stand at her bedside and say, if you only had more faith, God would raise you out of this bed. I'm not trying to be ugly for the sake of making me look better, trying to make somebody else look worse to make me look better. I'm just telling you what I know. That if you just had more faith, if you just had more this, more that, then God would raise you up. And friends, that's how that woman left this world. With somebody saying, if only. If you just had. If you had prayed more. If you had more faith. And you would not be in this predicament. In the face of those responses, here's what happens. Here's what happens. A burden that was never meant for us to bear is placed upon our shoulders. Something we were never intended to even carry is handed to us. 
Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost today. Shoulders that were never intended to bear that kind of load. A load has been set there. If you had just done such and such then, it would have all turned out favorably for you. And so if this train of thought is true, if that train of thought is true, then I tell you that we now become responsible for our own healing. And it does not have anything to do with Jesus. If I just have faith to believe, if I pray more, fast more, if I am more dedicated, more consecrated, then I would be healed. If that is the case, then now I am responsible for my healing or the lack thereof. Amen. And that, friend, was never the design of God. Amen. I want you to put, if you will, Brittany, back on the screen, Isaiah 53 and 5, and just hold it there. And I want you to watch this. Amen. The Bible says, but he, can you say he? was wounded for our, our, amen, transgressions. Amen, and he, can you say he, was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was placed upon him and with his stripes we are healed. I think it would do us well to pay close attention to the format of this prophetic utterance. Amen. It was he for us and not us for us. (laughs) Hallelujah. I wasn't wounded. I wasn't bruised. I wasn't placed the chastisement upon us. Amen. It was God. Amen. It was He. It was He. Amen. That was wounded for my transgressions. It was He that was bruised for my iniquities. It was our peace, the chastisement of our peace that was placed upon Him and it was His stripes that healed us. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you today, amen, that if you are walking with unanswered prayer I am not being cold and calloused and indifferent to your circumstance but I am telling you to hold on and let your faith amen not waver in the healing hand and the sustaining hand of God almighty amen hear me biblical faith has never been about me it has always been about God It's never been contingent upon happenings. It has always been contingent upon God. Amen. Lest we get caught in the trap of thinking that the presence of faith produces positive results and the absence of faith produces negative results. The Hebrew writer, the writer of Hebrews, amen, begins to set the record straight. The writer starts from the beginning of time. Amen. The beginning of Hebrews talking about faith. Amen. He starts talking about faith. He says, by faith, amen, by faith. This phrase, by faith, is used some 16 times in Hebrews 11. And the phrase, through faith, is used five times. And so we have 21 references to by faith or through faith. Amen. These are among things that are attributed to faith. As you read Hebrews 11, amen, the things attributed to faith were Abel's more excellent sacrifice. Enoch's translation, Noah's ark, Abraham's journey to the promise, Sarah's bitterness lifted and her womb made whole, the passing through the Red Sea, Jericho's walls falling down, Rahab's safety, amen, on and on, running out of space it would seem, amen, all the occur- for all these occurrences the writer finally just says in verse 32, and what shall I more say? 
for time would fail me. Time would fail me to speak of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Verse 33 says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35 begins very positively. Women received their dead raised the life again but hang on right here in verse 35 it says and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. I've taught you through the years the term there, not accepting deliverance doesn't mean they rejected or denied, but they were patiently waiting for their deliverance. And others, and others, it marks a transition in our train of thought. Amen. I'm going to tell you this morning that these others had faith. But God did not seem to deal with them in the same fashion that he dealt with Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, or Samuel, on and on and on. Amen. Faith does not always mean or bring deliverance. Now, I'm not trying to start a fight here today, but I'm trying to help everybody. Amen. I would submit to you that these others had faith just like Moses. Amen. They had faith just like Abraham. What are you basing this on? Are you just are you just basing this on the Bible? Are you just basing this on commentaries? Are you just basing this on your little time in the study of this passage of Scripture? No. I'm going to tell you that I have held the hands of faithful men and women who were faithful in their service to God. They had faith in God. They weren't involved in sin. Amen. They loved God with all of their heart. And they believed God until their dying breath that God was going to heal them. It wasn't a matter of faith. But when I held their hand, they still took one last gasp and they left this world. And some of them very, in our estimation, prematurely. Was it that they didn't have faith? Was it that we didn't pray enough? Was it that we, the church, let them down? Did we fail them somehow? No, no, no. Amen. Faith is not about fixing or not fixing something. Faith Hear me today. Faith is about having a sure anchor point in the God of the universe who created all things and keeps, amen, and keeps all things by the power of his will. Amen. Faith is not just something so that God will fix some ill in our life, but faith is an anchor point. Amen. Faith, I've attached myself to a God of the universe. Amen. Who holds the heaven of heaven in the palm of his hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I say with that, if you had prayed more and had more faith, amen, you would not be in this predicament. Amen. If you're going to say that, I'm going to invite you to take that very comment. I'm not trying to be smart aleck today and I feel that. Amen. I don't want to be that way today. Amen. But I'm telling you, if you think that the lack of prayer is the problem, why don't you march up to Daniel and say, Daniel, when you get to heaven, say, Daniel, if you had prayed more, you would not have faced the fiery that that den of lions amen the Bible says Daniel prayed three times a day amen I would suggest that he's probably praying more than anybody in this house and so how could I tell Daniel if you had just prayed more praise God praise God if you had just prayed more 
And so what, what am I saying? What am I driving at? What are you screaming about today? Heard about the little girl said when she gets grown, she said, I want to I wanna be a preacher. Her parents were very moved by that, touched by that. So why do you want to be a preacher? She said, I want to be able to holler at everybody. But I'm here today to tell you that the same faith, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here now, I'm talking lightly, but hear me. The same faith that brings deliverance to one will bring endurance to another. Yes. I am deathly afraid I'm going to be misunderstood today. Thank you, sir. But I ask you, what takes more faith? I'm not trying to take away and dismantle what I've been preaching. But what takes more faith? To be healed of God by some dreaded disease and walk on? Amen. To be healed of God and made whole and then continue to walk for him or not be healed but just held and keep walking. I'm just going to keep walking. I haven't been healed but I have been held. I haven't been healed yet but he hasn't stopped holding my hand. And every day when I think I can't take another step, and every day when I think I can't move another mile, I feel that holding, sustaining hand of an almighty God that said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so the same faith, amen, bring our Sunday school in if you need. The same faith that brings deliverance to one, it just may put endurance in another. Amen. What it would appear, it would appear, it would appear by man's scales, it would appear by man's balances that these others. Of Hebrews 11.35 got the dirty end of the stick. It would feel like, seem like, it would look like if we're just going to weigh this and we're going to compare this to Jephthah, Samson, David, and Abraham. If we're going to compare this, it would look like, my, 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 they got jilted. Yet God says, hear me now. Of these that held true to me and kept their faith, if you just keep reading, honey, in 11 and 38, the Bible says the world was not even worthy to have those people walk in the face of the earth. Amen. That's what God said about those others. 
That's what God said about those that were... The, the ridicule of the community is about what God said about those who said, maybe others whispered around the fountain and said there must be sin in their life. Maybe somebody whispered around the fountain and said, you know, there must be something undone. There must be something unrepented of in their life. But I'll tell you, while they were saying that about them, God was folding his arms and saying, you know what, the world is not even worthy for them to be walking the place of the face of this earth. The Bible says in verse 39, and these all, the old timers used to, every time they said all, say double L spells all means all. These all haven't obtained a good report through faith. And so I would dare to say today that it is more difficult to endure than it is to receive. If we're forming lines today, I'm going to tell you that the receiving line would be a lot longer than the enduring line. But biblical faith is not based on observed evidence. Biblical faith is based on divine assurance. Biblical faith has God at its, as its object. We believe God and we trust His Word. Faith is when you tell God, not my will, but your will be done. I try desperately not to interject our own personal stuff into sermons. I mean, I, I inject funny stuff, crazy stuff, but I try not to get into serious stuff. But I'm going to tell you, when bad news landed on our doorstop 25 years ago, my wife prayed as much as you would pray. And, and I don't want to give her testimony today and get it wrong. And I don't want to embarrass you. I'm sorry. I didn't intend to do this. As a matter of fact, I have to avoid it because of this. But a few years in a now moment of desperate prayer, she said, why me? Why me? And God said, who would you have it be? Who would you have it be? A little hard to pray past that point. A little hard to keep weeping past that statement. So she said, okay, God. Until you do, I'm yours. And so she hasn't been healed, but she has been healed. She has been healed. I don't want to ever make a spectacle of her and that's why we try not to talk about it too much. But I'm going to tell you when you say not my will but thine be done. Amen. If you get the answer you wanted from God about your situation, that was faith. 
But hear me, if you get no answer, but you get endurance through your situation without it ever changing, that is faith. Faith operates quite simply. I'm not trying to preach past the moment, but I'm telling you, God has given me something to say, and I gotta say it. Amen, tell the ushers to do what you need to do about the kids. Amen, God speaks and we hear his word. We trust his word. We act on it no matter what the circumstances are, the consequences may be. I'm gonna tell you that we can't get around passages of scripture like 2 Timothy 4 and 20 where Paul, the great apostle Paul, who I just quoted a moment ago, said many great signs and wonders followed his ministry, but we can't get around 2 Timothy 4 and 20 whenever Paul said, Trophimus, he said, have I left at Miletum sick? I left him sick. I think it's important for us to understand that Trophimus was a part of Paul's missionary team. This was not a casual acquaintance. He accompanied Paul during the last days of his journeys. There is little doubt that there is little doubt that Trophimus had seen outstanding miracles in the ministry of Paul. He was intimately associated with the one, one of the greatest New Testament preachers of all time. Notwithstanding all of that, Paul left him at Miletum sick. If, he could, if it would have been possible for Paul's prayers to heal Trophimus, I feel sure he would have never left him sick. So now, I truly conclude, if our musicians will come, My message today, I want to go back to Hebrews 11, or Hebrews, but not Hebrews 11. I want to go to Hebrews 12. Again, faith isn't about us. It's about God. Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3, and I'm just going to quote some of this so it's not on the screen but you're familiar enough to know that I'm in the scripture. Wherefore, seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The writer then goes on to say, look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then he goes on to say, who endured the cross and he endured shame. And in verse three, he talks about enduring contradiction. So, If just sheer faith can fix anything, then tell me why the one who was the author and the finisher of it all had to endure anything. You say, well, Brother Boyd, you're just dismantling everything that you said to begin with. No. No. But I'm just telling you today that a jaded view of you, a jaded view of faith has been created over time. And please hear me. Many times people have seen faith as a tool when in reality faith is an anchor. <laughs> and Brother Tim Trill said it best last Sunday when he said in the anchor still holds faith is not a tool that makes God my little errand boy 
Faith is not a tool that says, chop, chop. I need you to do this. I need this raise. I need that on my job. I need this on my job. Faith is not, I, I, I want this opportunity for my kids. Faith is not a tool that we use at our disposal, but faith is an anchor. And so we walk by faith. We live by faith. Wherever, so whatever comes or goes, good or bad, it's faith. It's faith. Even if it's seen or unseen, it is faith. And so if he don't heal us, he'll hold us. If it's not fixed, he'll give us the endurance to just stand. Stand. I don't even know how to go about doing what I feel in my heart. But just to give it a whirl. <laughs> I'm not too much for, impro- uh, for uh, spontaneity and when it comes to things, a lot of things, but I just feel like having a prayer line. And here's why. I mean, why talk about all this and this close the book? Say, now y'all hang on to that as best you can and let's just move on. I don't know how long this will take. Don't know what we need to adjust on the other side of it. But I feel like today, if you're in this house and you need healing, I want you to come down to the front I'm going to tell you, I'm wore out, wore out, wore out. So I'm going to ask all the ministers in the church to come. Amen. And we're going to just spread this out. We're going to multiply you. Amen. We're going to multiply me through you. Amen. And we're going to lay, come on, we're going to lay hands on those that come by. Amen. Just get in a line. Amen. Just stand facing this way. Amen. Our minister is going to face that way. Amen. And we're just going to march down and we're going to pray for everybody. Amen. In this house. Now, if you need healing in your body, that's what I'm talking about. But if you need healing in your heart, that's also what I'm talking about. If you need healing in your soul, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. I believe in God today to do something in this house. I want you men to get some oil. Amen. You men, just start praying right now. Amen. Let the Spirit of God come on, church. Amen, don't discount what God can do in a spontaneous moment. Amen, don't discount. Amen, come on, men, you you guys move. Amen, don't discount what God can do here. God, I've declared this. God, I have declared this. Hallelujah. 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 If you need healing today, God wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your soul. If you're away from God today, there's no better time. There's no better atmosphere than to let the spirit of an almighty God heal your heart. Heal your soul. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, men. Hallelujah. If you've already had prayer, amen, make room for others today. Praise God. Praise God. Step forward. Everybody step forward. Amen. Let the preachers get in to pray. God, heal us. Oh, God, heal us. Oh, God, heal us in this house today. My, 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 Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Once you've received prayer for healing, turn around and help us pray for others today. Hallelujah. If you've already received prayer, amen, turn around near someone, pray with them that God would release healing in their body, in their heart, in their soul. Hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, let's exercise the gift of prayer. Let's exercise the gift of prayer today. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.